welcome everybody to the Grounded Guidance Podcast. I'm excited to welcome you um, and our guest today, Greg Kuhn, who is a manifesting coach dedicated to helping you manifest the extraordinary. From achieving optimal health and fitness to attaining abundant wealth, fulfilling relationships, and a thriving career, Greg focuses on empowering you to manifest your greatest desires. As an experienced educator and coach, speaker and podcaster, and author, Greg has been transforming lives since 2013 by teaching individuals how to shift their beliefs and manifest the reality they truly deserve. Greg guides you in communicating with your subconscious mind, enabling you to align your beliefs and manifest your deepest desire. Desires. He is the author of nine books that offer valuable insights into manifesting the life you desire. I'm so excited to welcome you, Greg. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you very much, Karen. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Yes, I can't wait to dive in. Um, so you're known as the law of attraction science guy, and I'd really love to kind of unpack that. What does that mean? Um, how did you get into this? Um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the law of attraction science guy. Um, I love quantum physics hmm. and that's really where it, that, that name, that nickname comes from. Ultimately, uh, Karen, uh, most of my, my work, uh, definitely fits into the law of attraction, uh, genre a hundred percent. And certainly, uh, anything within that genre, uh, it, it, my, my work is going to, you know, have a good home. Uh, I, I will say I came to this, however, through quantum physics. I was a history major and I won't bore you with a lot of academia here, but I was a history major and my favorite topic historically is, has, it always was science because just real quick, um, the Western world, you know, modern civilization in the Western world, uh, while it you know, is wonderful, but also has drawbacks. Well, it's all been made possible. It all was made possible. As people started applying these new paradigms that arose from Newtonian physics. Now, Newtonian physics is the science of Isaac Newton, you know, things like cause and effect. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, we all encountered those in, in high school and we're familiar with them. Those, those rules helped us invent just about everything that uh, made the modern Western world possible and mm -hmm. also the paradigms that arose from them. Now, a paradigm is just a fancy word for the reasons we do things the way we do them, right? And a, a good example of this uh, from uh, Newtonian physics is uh, Sigmund Freud's talk therapy. Now, mm -hmm. uh, one of the paradigms of quantum, I mean, of Newtonian physics is cause and effect, right? I just mentioned that. So while it's Sigmund Freud isn't noted to have specifically referenced that Newtonian science, he applied that paradigm to create psychotherapy. He said, well, cause and effect, I know to be a real thing. I know to be true. Science has shown us this. And so why don't I go back, help people go back into their past and confront 
incongruencies and tragedies and you know traumatic experiences and it'll 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 have an effect and change their current uh iteration of themselves right hmm. and, and so was born talk therapy now those paradigms that came out of newtonian physics they work very well i mean they have their limitations but the paradigms that come from uh quantum physics are not only more exciting and fantastic. In fact, a lot of quantum physics, when you read about it, talk about it, it sounds like you're talking, uh, it sounds like you're a new age guru sometimes when you're talking about it, because quantum physics tells us things like we are all just different perspectives of the same thing. You know, me, uh, you, Karen, looking around the room, all these objects that we see. Mm -hmm. Um, these are all just different perspectives of the same thing. What does that mean? It means that we are literally made, we are all energy. And although we're, you know, here, uh, in four dimensional space time experiencing, you know, tactile sensations of being a consciousness possessing entity here in this four dimensional space time. We have not abandoned the energy that we really are. Mm -hmm. And so it is literally true scientifically to say that I'm looking at myself when I look around and I'm looking at myself when I look at you, Karen, and vice versa. We also know, scientifically speaking, that every human being manifests their own unique version of reality in every moment our consciousness collapses the one field of energy or sometimes called the quantum field mm -hmm. we could think of it as god we could think of it as the one consciousness it is an a field of energy that is us and we you know what a good metaphor for what we are we are islands in an archipelago. Mm -hmm. Now, I used to teach geography, so I yeah. know the term archipelago. This was I a know, long time ago, <laughs> but I haven't forgotten, right? And, yeah. and I know when I hear the term archipelago, the first thing I think about is a chain of islands right. in the Pacific or in the ocean in general. However, that's not really what an archipelago is. An archipelago is actually a gigantic landmass, 99% mm -hmm. of which is underwater. Little bits of it break the surface and those are the islands, right? Right. But that's, that's just a little, that You're the islands are an archipelago, right? Yes. Yes. That's us. That's mm -hmm. us. So when we know these things now, we know that these things are true. And like I said, it, sound, it sounds like I could be reading from a law of attraction book or, a, or mm -hmm. a, a new age self-help book when I talk about those sorts of things. It is so exciting to me knowing that these things are true, thereby on principle, mm -hmm. it is almost inconceivable that we couldn't increase the influence that we have to architect that reality that we're creating in each moment, doesn't it? Yeah. Hard to that, escape that conclusion. It, it really is. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you.
how do you bridge the the gap between well that's all fine and good greg i i hear what you're saying how do i put that into motion what yeah, you're saying cause... right as a, as a student of law of attraction yes i hear what you're saying mhm but it's not it's not in my physicality yet mhm mhm I, I completely understand. And in fact, uh, Karen, to, to address that uh, from a, a, a larger perspective, if you will, I don't ever write anything or talk about anything or record anything that is contrived or mm-hmm. theoretical in the sense that I only write and talk about things that I do that work for me. And I will say, uh, I have paid dearly for a lot of the knowledge that I have. Because um, when you talk about, you know, bridging that gap, right? right. I, I got to say, uh, uh, to, to empathize and, and with the, you know, everybody listening and watching, because I still feel this way, mm-hmm. most of the people that I wind up working with uh, as a coach mm-hmm. are successful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who I, I, you know, they are, uh, they certainly are down with the law of attraction and manifesting, and that is what they're interested in increasing their authority to do intentionally. Um, they're very successful. They have practices that work and they have so many parts of their life that mm-hmm. are fulfilling what, what they run into and what most people run into, you know, as we move through our adult lives is we have these, we encounter these glass ceilings in our life. And I call them glass ceilings because I can see what it is that I really desire. It's right there on the other side. Yes. And, uh, a lot of the time I'm putting in, you know, effort to manifest that the way I truly desire to manifest a version of reality in that part of my life that matches my desires especially in those, you know, those really hard to reach areas, uh, the big yes. stuff, you know, yes. the parts of our lives that are integral to experiencing fulfillment as a human, mm-hmm. you know, health, wealth, love, family, career, relationships, these things that, you know, I don't know about you, Karen, I have never with the, when it comes to the big stuff, mm-hmm. Uh, when I encounter a glass ceiling mm-hmm. and it's, it's in an important area of my life, I've never been able to successfully pretend like I don't want it. And, yeah. uh, and I, you know, I came, so I came to my current working understanding of the law of attraction because I wanted to bust through that glass ceiling with wealth. And, mm. uh, you know, I took a lot of really, uh, great actions. I did mm-hmm. a lot of great things and it turns out that I set myself and my family up to go over a Niagara falls of just personal and professional disaster. But I learned mm-hmm. by being and this was, this was in the early two thousands, I was facing 15 foreclosures. I was facing a million dollars of debt. I was facing bankruptcy and my marriage had dissolved and I was suddenly a single father of three young Mm -hmm. boys. 
And uh, I had about six months. My attorney told me, Greg, you've got six months left. And all these legal proceedings are going to start to unfold. And, and I, I said, well, I've been working my butt off. I've done everything else. You know, I've, I have realtors. I have an attorney. Nothing is working. What do I have to lose? There's got to be a way. Mm-hmm. I know that I am manifesting this reality. There has to be a way to do it differently. And uh, you know what? I said, how about if I just meet my subconscious where I really am? How about if I stop trying to manufacture the emotions that match the the reality I'm desiring, right? right? Right. And really just sit down with how I really feel about this and go from there. I mean, I didn't have anything else to lose. uh, And so that's what I did. And I baby walked, I baby walked or, you know what, think about it. Like, uh, I mean, picture a, uh, you know, helping a small child across Mm -hmm. a a crowded street by holding their hand. Right. That's what I learned to do with my beliefs, Hmm. to meet them where they are right now. And then slowly, reassuringly grow them into alignment with the reality I truly desired to manifest. So can I, can I stop you right there? Yeah. Um, because I'm curious, it sounds like that, that was a lucky break for you. Only, only, but only in this, in this sense, because Mm -hmm. I really believe when people work to try to manifest what they desire, they're in the wrong frequency trying to manifest that. Right. And everything is energy. Mm -hmm. We're looking at everything as energy. We're and and we want to become wealthy. We want to become rich. We want to become thin. We want to become all of these things that we truly desire. Mm-hmm. We, from a law of attraction standpoint, we're trying to manifest those from a frequency that is not that frequency. So it sounds like you were really. I mean that that's a pretty powerful reflection to be able to say, I'm going to full stop, reflect on what my feeling are about this or my beliefs around wealth and, you know, all these things that were happening to you at the Mm -hmm. time, because I I believe we work, most people don't work that way. (laughs) Most people are wondering, why hasn't it happened to me? Why am I not rich yet? Why am I not thin yet? We're not operating from the right frequency to be able to manifest that. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about what what was the light bulb moment for you to be able to like peer back at your subconscious beliefs well that th- no those are great uh points to raise in in a in a in a great question um honestly i had the gift of desperation you know mm. the, there was nothing that i knew to do yeah no logical course of action that i could possibly see to escape becoming the guy who destroyed his family, you know, at every Thanksgiving and holiday gathering for the rest of my life. And I, I, I didn't want that so badly, right? I was so desperate to not manifest that reality. Um, that I learned a, you know, one of the things that I knew going in now, I, I, this is a, what I created, 
during this time of desperation grew into a formal process that I write about and teach about. It's a, hmm. it's a belief raising process. And um, one of the things that I was keenly aware of that I wanted to experiment with was that our beliefs are stored in our subconscious. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our subconscious has one job, right? Its job is to keep us alive and safe. Correct. Okay. And it's very good at its job. It is. <laughs> and if, if people aren't familiar, the way it does this job is it maintains a very effective low wall security for our mm -hmm. beliefs. It, it, uh, it does not speak word-based language. It does not understand logic and it does not understand any emotions that are too far removed from what's really in there. Mm -hmm. So it maintains this very effective low wall security that, that keeps out uh, the influence of like a sudden whim or a strong urge or, you know, things that, that, you know, the ebb and the flow of life that, that changes our spikes, our perspectives. And, right. and we might be willy nilly changing our beliefs if we had that kind of access. Yes. Well, the, the subconscious knows that our greatest chance of staying alive and safe is to make our uh, reality as reliable and predictable as possible, right? It just gives us the highest odds of surviving any situation. Yes. Uh, and that's really key because, you know, consciousness possessing entities like a human being, mm -hmm. we are collapsing the quantum field into a discrete material reality in every moment of our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we do that? Right. We do that with our beliefs. Our beliefs manifest the form of reality. I mean, just think about uh, as a little baby, mm -hmm. you were explicitly taught about light and dark contrast. You were right. explicitly taught about dimensions, height, width, length. Why? You had to have those beliefs to be able to assemble this material world. And then it just expanded from there. So our beliefs, they manifest the form of our reality, the function of our reality, and also the meaning and the value of our reality. Hmm. Now, here's the thing about beliefs, okay? Mm -hmm. So when, when we, you know, when we, when we first encounter it, and as we continue to hear it, that we are manifesting our reality, yet some of my reality sucks. So are you telling me that I'm manifesting this? That mm -hmm. is BS, right? I, I'm not doing it. Well, here's the deal. Our beliefs are manifesting our version of reality. They are. But we didn't choose these beliefs. Right. We inherited them from well-intentioned, hopefully well-intentioned, our most important caregivers when we were a small child. In fact, by mm -hmm. the time we were, you know, nearing and out of grade school, we already had all the beliefs we there, did. right? Mm -hmm. So we didn't pick these. So we are not responsible for the beliefs we inherited. We are not responsible for the beliefs that are currently collapsing the quantum field and forming our material reality. Right. We're not to blame. What we do have, though, 
we have the opportunity, if we're so inclined, mm -hmm. we get to grow them if we want, because, and I will say this is really key for us as human beings, mm -hmm. scientifically speaking, as we collapse, we, we can't opt out of manifesting our own unique version of reality. Right? That is not a choice we have. We didn't get to choose our beliefs. We also don't get to choose to, to not manifest all this. And we also don't get to choose to not use those inherited beliefs to manifest all mm -hmm. that. There's nothing we get, but we do have a choice in how we manifest because we can manifest our reality by default, which means we can let the beliefs we bring into this moment, the beliefs we inherited, we can let them do their job and just manifest our reality. We can also manifest our reality intentionally. Hmm. And what that means is that, whoa, when, when I see the feedback around me, like, yo, my reality sucks. I do not want to continue to manifest this by default. What we can do is we can look to science again. We can look to systems theory, right? Mm -hmm. You're a system. We're all systems. Right? We're a system of systems. Well, one of the tenets of systems theory is that when a system changes, it automatically changes its environment. It doesn't have that, that happens. You can't stop it from happening. So what's the most effective way to change our environment? What's the most reliable way to change our environment? What's the most viable way to do that? Well, we can change the system that's manifesting the environment. Hmm. And to do that, all we need to do is to grow our beliefs into alignment with those desires in these important parts of our life. And so that's what I wind up writing about, coaching people to do, and certainly speaking about as well. Okay. So I want to back up a little bit. I want to, I want to go back to the, the idea of intergenerational beliefs, right? Things that are, that are wound within us as we come into this life that are, that are so deeply entrenched in who we are. Mm -hmm. um, take, for example, some of some religions that, that are so bent on making sure that the belief structure is so interwoven from a very young age um, and very young age when, you know, babies, kids, everything. You talk about how we can, with systems theory and other ideas, choose to make a different choice. That is that when you look at like the limbic, or not the limbic system, the reptilian brain that's there mm -hmm. to keep us safe. That is a huge challenge against that part of our brain that just where our beliefs are, right? That I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, I want to think something different. I want, I want my beliefs to, ooh, I want to try something else on. I believe it's part, yes, I want to try that on. And I, I don't know. This is, I'm curious about this. What, what's the progression that, shows up i know my own personal pathway to changing my the the narration about things in my head and my belief structure and 
sometimes it takes a lot to unpack those things. And it's some of them have taken years. Mm -hmm. How do, how do people make that choice? Some people seem like they're deeply entrenched for life. Other people, it's just really easy to try on a new hat and a new belief structure and, and move down that path. What, why do, why do we have such differing, like, where's the, where's, where does the rubber meet the road, I guess is what I'm trying to, to ask. Yeah, no, that, that's perfect because at the end of the day, all this, you know, uh, hopefully inspiring, uh, and eye opening, mind expanding information, uh, it needs to have a connection to our practice, right? Right. So here's. I think part of it uh, stems from what I would call one of the biggest misconceptions uh, in the law of attraction genre. Mm -hmm. And that is that our feelings do not create our reality, right? right? Our beliefs manifest our reality. Correct. And because our beliefs reside in our subconscious, we are not able to change them and grow them with uh, the things that we normally use. We can't, reading books doesn't change right. our, doesn't, doesn't yeah, reach our, our subconscious mind is what you're saying. You can't right. do it. Hearing our people conscious. talk doesn't do it. Um, and you know what else doesn't do it? Manufactured emotions don't do it. So positive affirmations and positive thinking. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, let me say this. That's big positive. law of attraction stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, positive affirmations and positive thinking, those are fantastic tools, okay? Mm -hmm. Number one, they absolutely impact our conscious mind. They, they often and, and, and usually help us feel better in the moment regardless, and that's great. I mean, that is, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, they're also fantastic tools for getting us back on track. In, a, in an area of my life, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm an avid runner. Okay. Mm -hmm. Two weeks ago I was in my garage getting ready to go out for a run. And it just hit me like, wow, all day long, I've been feeling so much self-doubt. Like mm -hmm. this isn't going away. And it's like a, you know, like a gloom hanging over my head. I, it's, you know, it's very depressing. I, I was feeling some doubt about myself as a teacher and a coach and, a, and an author and, uh, had to do with my desires for where things should be uh, regarding my newest book that was published in September. Mm -hmm. And my, my reality was still catching up to my desires mm -hmm. in that part of my life. And here's the thing, the self-doubt was there and we all, we know what that feels like. It's a very painful, you know, uh, feeling to experience. However, this is a part of my life where, oh, I'm not always hitting a home run out of the park in this part of my life, but I am usually, you know, confident and centered and reconciled and, 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 you know, hungry and working and those sorts of things too, but certainly not experiencing self-doubt. Mm -hmm. So I was off track. And when I'm off track for whatever the reason was, positive affirmations are great for getting us back on a track. Now, the key, of course, for them to be effective in this way, it's important to note that to get back on a track, we had to have been on that track to get back on it. 
And I'm a big advocate of what I would call believable positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. I, I knew immediately that I was off track in, you know, feeling this self-doubt, but I don't like to go to Greg, you are the best author in the world, Greg, you are, and I'm not making fun of those kind of statements. I'm saying that my preference, because I'm trying to, because I'm, I'm going to state positive, I'm going to state positive affirmations to get myself back on track. I'm just going to remind myself of the track that I'm on. Yes. So as, as soon as I was like, oh yes, of course, this is a situation for positive affirmations. I said, well, it is absolutely true that I'm working really hard. It's absolutely true that I'm learning and growing in the direction of success. It's absolutely true that I am experiencing other uh, success in other important metrics. Mm -hmm. It's also true that I've had success in the past and that it's a reasonable expectation to, for me that if, you know, I keep working hard, keep learning, you know, that I, I will probably manifest success. It just hasn't happened yet. And those believable positive affirmations, well, they didn't change my reality. I didn't immediately get an email that said, hey, Greg, is, you just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, it did change my perspective, however, because hmm. I was back on track and thus it changed my reality. Hmm. Here's the thing, Karen. What do we do, though, when we're not trying to get back on track, right? Mm -hmm. What do we do when we need money or however you want to quantify need, by the way, strong desire when, when, you know, we need health, we need love, we need uh, companionship, we need fulfillment in these important areas of our lives. And if positive affirmations aren't uh, capable of reaching into our subconscious. And by the way, let me very quickly illustrate why they're not capable. Sure. A any situation where I'm going to use a positive affirmation, a traditional positive affirmation is going to be a situation where I don't really feel that way. Otherwise mm -hmm. I wouldn't be using the positive affirmation in the first place. Yeah, and a lot of people call that toxic positivity, right? They, they feel like they're fake it till you make it or fake it till you become it. Right. And there's a lot of people that are really against that. But unfortunately, fortunately, however we want to say it. Mm -hmm. And I think probably most people uh, who follow and adhere to the law of attraction mm -hmm. would agree with this. Um, positive affirmations in that way, uh, it, you know, a traditional positive affirmation being recited to myself in a situation where I'm very unfulfilled or unhappy, it typically, yes, it's going to make me feel better. But you know what? It's like refilling a leaky raft at some point, right? right? And, and long term, whether that's a week or a year, long term, ah, I'm still unhappy about this. Now, right. the unfortunate byproduct of, of that approach for most of us is we wind up blaming ourselves for that, right? What's actually happening though, hasn't, we don't need to blame ourselves or anyone for that matter. What is happening in that situation? What's happening is that I inherited beliefs that are incapable of manifesting a version of reality that I truly desire in this part of my life right now. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. And that's 
great news, by the way, mm-hmm. yes. because we really can change our beliefs. Here's the thing. The belief raising process, and, and I'll certainly, I, I will explain it. I want to explain it. I, I want to say that what I learned to do is to use feelings to reverse engineer my reality. Hmm. And there's a very special way to use feelings to do this that allows us to work in concert with our subconscious. That I'm just you know, calling back to that image that I cited a while back about guiding the small child across the street by holding their hand. Uh, hey, that little kid, if you've ever led a little kid across a busy street that mm-hmm. needs their hand hold, held, right because they don't understand how to do it. Right. That kid is still scared. Yeah. I mean, I mean, scared of, oh, you know, there's cars, all this, all the things that were making me scared before are still there. They're still happening. The only difference is you're holding my hand and you're telling me it's okay. And I believe you. Well, the belief raising process puts you in that position that adult position and puts your subconscious in that child's position. And it's really not rocket science. It's, it's not difficult to do. It's, as you mentioned, it takes a level of commitment. Uh, I, I have found that uh, with important things, mm-hmm. invariably, there comes a time where uh, enough's enough. You know, I've been unfulfilled too long. I pull out the belief raising process. Every single time, it always works. Hmm. So I'm curious about um, two things that you just mentioned. One was the ability to get to our subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Um, We operate in this conscious reality, except for when we're asleep or meditating or various other ways, right? Um to be able to change our belief patterns, we don't do that through the conscious mind. We do that through our subconscious mind. So I'm curious, what is your process for accessing the subconscious mind? And how has it been helpful, I guess, personally, and then from the people you work with? Well, what I did, uh, and and this is so fun to Mm -hmm. coach clients through. In fact, uh, Karen, I am uh, starting a new coaching program this mm-hmm. January, and if anyone's listening to this after January 2024, I will be running it a few times a year. So just check my okay. website. But that working coaching people through this belief raising process is is at the heart of this coaching program. It is so much fun to watch other people do it. In fact, it's incredibly exciting to do it myself. Hmm. because mm-hmm. here's why it works. It's very simple. I start by writing how I really feel about this. Okay. So the last time I used this belief raising process was on the statement, I am God. Uh, somebody who was coaching me told me that, Greg, you're God. I'm God. We're all God. And what that person meant isn't that, uh, you know, we're the almighty creator of the universe that's in right. you know religious texts, but that what's inside us, because yes, this is scientifically true. We're, we are all energy. We're not made of energy. We are energy. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny you, you, you mentioned that Karen, that, uh, you know, like, except when we're asleep, um, <laughs> anyway, that, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. <laughs> so, um, we are energy, right? Well, at, so inside me, what's really me is energy. I, I call it light. Um, I also call it love. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, it is the archipelago, right? And I'm just poking the surface, but I'm still the archipelago. So me, light, love, the real me, well, um, our inner world projects our outer world, our, mm-hmm. our, our outer world reflects our inner world, right? right. Um, when the outer world becomes unfulfilling, painful, mm-hmm. displeasing, um, that means that there's something obstructing the light, the real me. And, and, and that shadow that's being cast by the obstruction, that's the painful reality. Well, that obstruction is a belief, an incapable belief. It may have been capable up to this point, but it's suddenly because of my, how my life is unfolding and where I am and what I'm doing, you know, suddenly it has become incapable or maybe it's always been incapable, right? Uh, and, and we can think of examples of that. I mean, think about, think about a little girl whose mother wants her to be thin and attractive for very positive reasons, right? Not, this is not, you know, an abuse situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we don't have to go into all those reasons, but, and the mother decides that, uh, she's not going to be explicit about this with her child because she doesn't want to, you know, mess up her child's psyche. So she, but she is going to give the child tough love to manage her, you know, into the type of body that the mom believes she needs to be most successful. Right. What inadvertently winds up happening. I mean, is that the child grows up where, what they, what she experiences and the belief she develops is that she needs to be thin to make mom happy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I need to be thin to please someone who's super important to me. Mm -hmm. Now, as she goes out into her life, she's going to continue to have relationships. And in those relationships, whether, you know, it's a, you know, a significant other or, you know, a coworker, best friend, what have you, she carries that belief into every relationship she has. And as she may not be thinking about always being thin, what she might be thinking about though, or always thinking about is that I have to please people who are important to me so that they will be happy with me. And imagine all now, of course, there are times where that's going to work to her advantage, you know, like right. going to please her boss. Right. It's however, we all know that's going to cause a tremendous amount of trouble. And, you know, so does she need to go back and find that belief she learned? I don't believe that. I don't practice that. If let's say this, you know, woman and I'm coaching her, she's now an adult and she just says, look, I'm not satisfied with my romantic relationships. You know, my love life, you know, I data, you know, my, it's just not fulfilling. It's not what I desire. Well, I don't believe we need to go back and find the root cause of all that. What I ask 
prefer to do and what I do and what I did with the statement, I am God, sit down and write how you really feel about it. Not how you should feel about it. Not how you think you ought to feel about it. Not how you positive talk your way into feeling about it sometimes. Uh, not disparaging that. It's good to feel good, right? But an emotional vomit. How do I really feel about this? Meet yourself where you are. You don't need to know what the beliefs are. The feelings are what you need to get in touch with. The feelings that those beliefs those beliefs manifest reality and the reality elicits feelings, okay? Feelings are a feedback loop from reality. So my yeah. beliefs in this moment are manifesting my reality. Everything in this room, you, me, all the things that I'm aware of, all the ways that I'm feeling because of what I'm manifesting, that's a feedback loop about my beliefs, okay? So the way we start the belief process is you sit down and say, how do you really feel? And I've got an emotional reference chart. It's modeled after Abraham Hicks' emotional guidance mm -hmm. scale. I just mm -hmm. made my own. Uh, and all you need to do, this is the exciting part, is once you do that initial writing, just find where you are on the chart, which to, you know, I, it's an ascending chart of emotional perspectives. Right. So, the, you know, I, I have two feelings. I'm using the terms emotions and feelings interchangeably, by the way. Right. But I have two feelings at each emotional set point or emotional perspective. And I look at what I wrote and I identify what, what emotional perspective best matches what I wrote about. And from there, it's very, very simple to take on the task of writing my way into the perspective of the next highest emotional perspective, which is not, and this is by design, it is not a quantum leap of positivity. Right. For example, I might be at grief and desolation. Yep. The next highest emotional perspective is uh, you know, anxiety and uh, uh, depression. Um, yeah, you aren't going to leave to euphoria, right? Very small. Yeah. Small, Very small enough. incremental changes. Yeah. You know what? There is, I, I will say this, we know this, scientifically speaking, mm -hmm. there's nothing that anyone has to do. There's no mm -hmm. such thing as cause and effect on a quantum level. There's mm -hmm. nothing you have to do to manifest something. However, because we don't live in the quantum world, we live here, there are very often things that I do have to do to believe that I can manifest it, okay? Hmm. And this is what the belief raising process is about. In this part of my life that I'm working the belief raising process on, I'm going to start out, I mean, I'm, it might not be at the bottom, but it's not positive emotions. I don't mm -hmm. work the belief raising process when my reality is eliciting positive right. feedback, right? Mm -hmm. So Agreed. it's going to be something that is negative, painful, you know, whatnot. Um, that's where my beliefs really are in this area. There, I, hey, I'm not, I didn't make that happen. I'm not responsible for that. What I can do, though, is act as a parent and take my subconscious by the hand and say, let's walk to the next emotional perspective. It is so close to the previous one. 
that the my subconscious goes right along with it. Mm. And the cool thing is, even though the improvement is slight enough that my subconscious goes right along with it, it's also actually a little more empowering, a little more solution oriented, a little more focused towards success, a little more, right? And in the process of writing my way into that new emotional perspective, which I do simply by asking myself, my writing prompts, what I teach people to do mm -hmm. is to ask themselves, you know, what would my reality in this part of my life look like and mm -hmm. how would it work for me, for me to feel anxious about it instead of afraid? It's a, it's a, it's a simple shift. It's not a grand leap at all. Right? It, mm -hmm. it doesn't take us right where we want to go. It's a small step that the subconscious is capable of taking with us because it's believable. The subconscious doesn't care that it's slightly improving, but during the process of writing, what happens is I, and this is what I teach people to do in my books and my coaching, I uh, allow the quantum field or the one consciousness to write me an individualized curriculum specifically tailored to my learning and growth. It turns the belief raising process, which is what I call intentionally manifesting one's life, growing our beliefs by working mm -hmm. with our subconscious. Um, it, it, it is, it is so exciting because even that small step from, say, uh, you know, grief to anxiety, it's not grand, mm -hmm. but it's real. It's easy to get to. It's easy for me to see and understand, which, by the way, is the definition of manifest, to see and understand. And once I'm there at that new emotional perspective, it, I am manifesting a different version of reality in this part of my life. I really can see and understand it in my material manifestation because my beliefs have grown just a little bit. It takes about a month usually for me to work my way at, at most. It takes about a month for me to work my way all the way up to the top of the emotional reference chart, which is the emotional perspective of love and ecstasy. So for somebody that... <clears throat> comes that let's talk about the gal, the example that you gave. She's presenting with emotions that maybe don't match the beliefs, right? So she's dealing with a lot of perfectionism at work and she's feeling mm -hmm. a lot of pressure to um, be a good mom or, you know, whatever it may be. Her feelings don't align with the beliefs that are stored deep within our subconscious. So as she's working through these emotions, there's some level of commitment that must happen, must have to happen in order to notch her way up these, you know, the scale, the Abraham, the Abraham Hicks, what is it, the emotional reference scale. Um, but I'm curious how, like, at what point do the, is there like <laughs> this reflection where you can say, oh, I, because the subconscious is just, it, it's like a data input. 
It's like data in, data out. There's no, it. it's just is what it is. So I'm curious how the, the work in identifying those emotions aligns with the beliefs that are deeply held within our subconscious. And where does the cross point come where you're like, oh, I'm trying on a different, I'm trying on something different now. Yeah, I would actually simplify it. I'd give the simplest answer possible. Uh, I, for me, when life is painful, there are two options. One is I can get back on track because I'm off track. And to do that, I'm going to use believable affirmations and give my best effort, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, feel my feelings, process them, learn from them and let those feelings guide my believable, positive affirmations get myself back on track and give my best effort. If my life is painful, if my reality is painful and it's not a, I need to get back on track situation, yeah. but it's a, Ooh, this, yeah. You know what? This has been frustrating for too long, whatever that means to me. Right. Well, I need to be more intentional about how I manifest it. So mm. I am going to write down how I really feel about the situation. I'm not going to go in and try to unpack and find out how the belief developed and what the belief is and yeah. name it. If someone, you know, I, that's just, that is not, I, that is not important to me <laughs> right, and right, the people yeah. I work with. What I am going to do though, is here, here's, you know, this falls back to, um, it's, and it's proven true. The most successful people I've had the, you know, the privilege of working with, mm -hmm. there's a common thread and it continues to inspire me as well. And that is a willingness. Mm -hmm. to allow the reality that we manifest to inform us rather than define us. Mm. And that's not hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's challenging when we really, really care about our reality. That, that's when it becomes, when the challenge grows. However, it's not hard to do to use our reality to inform us rather than define us. We simply pay attention to our feelings. As long as I process my feelings, I don't stuff them. I don't put them in a closet. I don't try to hide them. I don't, you know, tamp them down. That doesn't work, by the way. Anybody, and I've done it many times. And I'm sure I'll do it in the future because <laughs> feelings are painful sometimes. Mm -hmm. However, as long as I process my feelings, you know, mm -hmm. I feel them and I physically process them, uh, they teach me. They are, that's, that's the, that's a, that's how the curriculum is delivered in large part by, you know, the one consciousness reality right. It's feeding me back. It's saying, oh man, this stinks. Now let's say that, uh, my father dies, uh, you know, tomorrow. Um, well, that's going to be I, my, the feeling feedback is going to be horrific, painful. It that feeling feedback is still telling me the same thing that any other mm -hmm. feeling feedback is telling right. me. It's saying, Greg, the beliefs you're carrying into this moment are not capable of manifesting a version of reality that you truly desire. Now, in this instance, um, it's, there's some aspect of too bad to it, right? Yes, my beliefs are incapable of manifesting a version of reality where my father doesn't die. My beliefs are not capable of that. So the feedback is very accurate, okay? 
obviously there are ways that that feedback can be, can still be very helpful to me. It can, it can inform how I, you know, process and move forward with grief and, and those sorts of things, incredibly helpful, right? That's not a situation, however, where I'm going to go necessarily work my belief raising process because mm -hmm. I'm not interested in learning how to manifest a reality where no one ever dies. I have no idea how that would be done. I'm not motivated to do that. Uh, if, uh, if Karen, if you're ever able to do that, I'd love to know how, but that's not my interest. My interest is in parts of my life where more is possible, where I know more, you know, more success, more fulfillment, more intimacy, more love, more joy, uh, those are the experiences that I'm interested in going in and working my belief raising process on. And as long as I continue to feel and process my feelings and I allow them to inform me, hey, so every time life gets painful, that's always a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm doing something wrong, but that, oh, I'm bringing, you know, I'm either off track or I'm carrying some beliefs in here that are incapable. Now, I don't know about you, Karen, but I hope to encounter that kind of pain of incapable beliefs. I hope I encounter that forever because it means that I'm growing, evolving, changing, right. that, you know, as, as I experience more success in these important areas of my life, I see that more is possible. So this is not uh, bad news when, I, mm -hmm. when, when we encounter this kind of pain, this kind of feedback. Uh, it's good news. It means hey, I know that more is possible here. I know that more is possible for me. And you know what? I'm not interested in manifesting this by default anymore. Yeah. And I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. No, go. No, no, please. Um, I'm curious about the feel the feelings part because that takes a, a, a great level of self-awareness on people's part to feel and then understand what you're feeling to be able to move to another level. I know from my own personal experience, it is important to sit in the feelings and then reflect what the feelings are informing for you. Mm -hmm. But that is, that takes an incredible amount of self-awareness. If you are, if you are looking to manifest this life that you desire, it is really easy to stuff, to push away, to ignore, to not deal with, to, and, and continue to try to live that life that you desire. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you. You know, it's, it's like, I feel like I'm sitting in this sludgy soup some days when those feelings come, whether it's grief or frustration or sadness or the, the gamut, right? I mean, whatever it is that I'm moving through to push to that next level, mm -hmm. how do how do you coach people to feel the feeling and then continue moving through that? Yeah, I've got some pretty specific techniques in my books. My latest book has a number of techniques that are great for this. Um, mm -hmm. In my new coaching program, each week we do a quantum experiment and one, uh, two of the quantum experiments are explicitly tied to uh strategies and techniques that employ your feelings into this feedback role. Mm. And uh, for example, um, one of the questions that we can ask ourselves when we're mm -hmm. feeling 
pain, you know, whether you, you know, you mentioned grief. So I'm feeling grief, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, usually uh, I'm just going to say this, it's, it's the holiday season whenever mm-hmm. you're listening to this, but I'm sure people can relate. Yeah. Um, I have four sons. They're all adults. Mm-hmm. I, so I love being a father. I, it is such a fulfilling experience for me. So rewarding. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's very important to me to manifest that, uh, mm-hmm. well, part and parcel to that in, during the holiday season, I was sharing with my wife last night that I had one of my usually two or three, maybe four bawling sessions where I just busted out crying. I was mm-hmm. watching a commercial. It was a McDonald's commercial <laughs> about the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I busted out crying because I, I, I was awash in the memory, the realization, the remembering that my days of being with a small child at Christmas are done. Well, grief is baked into life. Um, <laughs> so those feelings come over me. And I'm not, mm-hmm. now I'm not real comfortable about crying in front of people, uh, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. Um, so uh, I've learned to usually go somewhere and just let it out, right? Just let it cause it'll run its course. And, um, what do I, what, how do I learn from that? I say, well, I'm feeling grief. I let my, you know, I process, I feel the grief. Um, and, and I ask myself, um, what, what might this feeling be telling me about mm-hmm. myself? And if it's uncomfortable and painful, I can add, what is it telling me about myself that I'm afraid is true, but I don't want it to be, you know, Mm. now that kind of question, not intellectualizing the feeling. Okay. Okay, Not trying to, you know, know, uh, because I think we can all relate to, uh, you know, okay, I've got this. You know, I'm going to do a checkbox and put this feeling up on the shelf, done with that. Okay, everything's nice and tidy. You know, uh, feelings are, you know, they're messy, they're fluid, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. There's always a leading question. If we're interested, you know, I, I, of course, the majority of my feelings, which, by the way, there's a constant flow of information from yes. our reality in the form of feelings. I mean, feelings, think about feelings are like the mercury in an old fashioned thermometer, you know, Uh and here's, there's a mindset shift. And when you talk about self-awareness and willingness, what I would say is I know for a fact that feelings do not manifest my reality. Hmm. So if, if I get in touch with how I really feel about something in my belief raising process, Mm -hmm. and if I process my feelings by allowing myself to really feel them. Um, I'm not manifesting more of the same reality. I'm not making those feelings real. I'm not creating worse things because feelings don't manifest reality. Right. Uh, They are painful though. So, you know, even the most enlightened frame of mind, uh, I don't necessarily enjoy processing some of those feelings. but I don't have to be worried about feeling them. And what I would say is this, if, if I'm, and I, you know, just talking about the people that I work with, whether mm-hmm. it's in my Facebook group, cause a lot of people will read my books and they'll mm-hmm. come to my Facebook group or in my newsletter. And I love to interact with people. So I don't have to coach you 
explicitly right. to, to have, you know, and, um, when, uh, when, when folks are feeling, mm-hmm. uh, uh, those, those unpleasant feelings, you know, okay, mm-hmm. well, how do I get in touch? Well, there's nothing we will ever encounter in any writing we do in any processing we do. There's nothing we'll encounter that's not already in there. And furthermore, here's what I would say. And this is what I see again and again. This is my life. And this is, I see in the lives of people that I work with Facebook group coaching, what have you mm-hmm. to adopt and move into an intentional manifesting lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Okay. At its heart, that's a lifestyle of formative assessment. Now, mm-hmm. I know you have a background, Karen, in education. Yes. yes. And formative I assessment know what that is. is education <laughs> speak, right? It is. So for people who are not educators, and I have a 28-year storied history almost, uh, not to brag, but just to say a very a wonderful career in education. I know a tremendous amount about how to teach, how people learn, how to facilitate that. Um, the, uh, 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 I, I forgot where I was going with this. Regret formative assessments. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I get, sure. I get, you know what? <laughs> it's okay. Education speak, you know, like it, I'm it, with it, you. It, you know, you. it glazes me over, you know, <laughs> It reminds me of the, you know, the bureaucracies of, of education. But so this is, a, this is a good one for people who aren't in education. There mm-hmm. are two primary types of assessments. Um, one, there's a summative assessment. And mm-hmm. that's when, you know, okay, Karen, we're done with chapter three. Here's your test. However you do on this test, that's it. That's how you do. That's your grade. Mm-hmm. That's, your, that's your final, you know. Uh, a summative assessment gives you your final grade. That's it. You're done. You move on. A formative assessment, which is the lifestyle of intentional mm-hmm. manifesting. A formative assessment only has one purpose, and that is, to inf- that is to inform the teacher and the learner about where more learning is needed. So there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. If you bomb a formative assessment, all you're doing is Letting this you and the teacher at. know, oh, I need a lot more instruction. Who cares? If you ace it, oh, good for you. You don't need any. But it was going to be fine if you needed more instruction. Who cares? That's why we're mm-hmm. here, right? We're, well, that's life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every single thing that happens in our life, every single thing we manifest, every experience, every moment is a moment of formative assessment. We're mm-hmm. constantly being given feedback. You know, that. That th- that mercury reading in the old fashioned thermometer, right? Yes. Yeah. Pull it out. Well, when the feedback is painful, uh, you know, gosh, that mercury is spiking up the thermometer, right? right? It's mm-hmm. 103, whatever. But here's the thing: when I see that I've got a fever on an old fashioned thermometer, um, I don't fix the fever by fixing the thermometer. You know, the feelings are the mercury in there. So typically, oh my gosh, the feedback from our reality is painful. I don't like it. I got to change the feelings. Right. Right. Well, that's why wouldn't we feel that way? Why wouldn't we think that's how to solve it? Unfortunately, it's not how to solve it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and un- also, unfortunately, when we uh, don't have a formative lifestyle, when we're not using our feelings as feedback, mm-hmm. um, we get stuck in constantly mm-hmm. trying to create the feelings we want because right. we know the feelings that will be associated with the version of reality we really desire. And what, what we miss when we're stuck in that loop mm-hmm. is that we can, we can grow beliefs that will elicit those kinds of feelings. We just have to meet our beliefs where they are now mm-hmm. and baby step them along. The, the beautiful thing is, so you move to a formative lifestyle, you start to, to adhere to you know reality and feelings as feedback um the 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 changes the curriculum that it gives you access to mm-hmm. meaning what can i do how can i engage differently with reality and how can i conduct myself differently uh that's what i mean by curriculum yeah um it's so empowering it's so exciting it Mm-hmm. It's and the changes are real and immediate. Yes, uh, I would now, agree with that. Yes. You know, they, we, we may not get where we ultimately want to go immediately, but it is so exciting to see and understand changes immediately. You have nine books, they're all easily digestible. If somebody's dropping into this conversation and has not heard of you, but has heard you've written nine books, where is the best place to start? I I love my new book. Uh, it's called a handbook for those already born, how to manifest better versions of reality. In fact, if you're watching it, mm-hmm. that's what it looks like. There it is. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I definitely would recommend starting there. That's a pretty accessible entry point. My website is manifestthebigstuff.com. Uh, you find your way to my Facebook group where, uh, I mean, and that's a great place to inhabit because not only is that a, you know, a place where you can hear about things that I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, but also I, sh- I share exclusive content with that Facebook group. So you're going to see things that nobody else will. Um, so um, I always like to kind of wrap up with um, what is your unique parting wisdom um, for our audience? And we'll end there. Mm-hmm. Uh, foundationally speaking. Um, the, the idea that, uh, reality can inform me rather than define me, you know, the reality and the feedback that it gives me in the form of feelings Mm -hmm. that can inform rather than define me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, dig a little deeper into that Mm -hmm. as a, as a grounded guidance takeaway. Um, Success, because we are all different perspectives of the same thing, mm-hmm. understand that on a tangible, visceral, literal level, your success is my success, mm-hmm. and my success is your success. So it behooves me and anybody who would like to follow suit. Not only is it in my best interests to, you know, within my scope, obviously, the scope of our relationship and our, and our connection and that sort of thing, to 
to help you be as successful as possible. It is in my best interest. So even looking at it selfishly, shared success is literally the best success. And so in, in, in your practices and in your mm -hmm. daily life, I would encourage people to take that as far as you're willing to, not only being a valuable, helpful, important part of other people's lives, neighbors, family members, community members, you know, that sort of thing, but also actively and consciously hold people in, you know, we could say, hold them in your heart, hold them in that inner light, that love of what you really are, bathe them in it, you know, soak them in it, uh, be intentional about that. Take advantage of every opportunity you have to help other people be successful and make yourself more successful in the process, literally. Mm. What a beautiful message. Thank you so much, Greg. Hey, thank you. This was, uh, well, this conversation really charged me up. I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm going to go out and uh, run a marathon. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on the Grounded Guidance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Your feedback helps us reach more curious minds like yours. Until next time, stay grounded, stay guided, and keep stretching your edges to think differently. Take care, my friends.